Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. probably in fact the door in the back could be closed it would be good So um, I wanted to uh, spend a little bit of time this afternoon um, exploring uh, two themes that we've touched on a bit, but that are, I think, really important to go into a little bit more to support your practice. Uh, Two of the, those 10 wholesome states in the, <clears throat> the joy, this joy uh, approach. That is a, a little bit more about working with the difficult stuff when it comes up, <clears throat> just in case it ever comes up. And uh, and gratitude. <clears throat> now, um, actually, in the in the sequence that that I found helpful um, I put gratitude as the the third because gratitude opens up the heart and creates a bigger container so that we can have the um, capacity to be with the difficult stuff <clears throat> but today what I want to do is reverse the order because we've touched a bit on working with the difficult and um, Jane shared the self-compassion practice. So I wanted to uh, go into that a bit further and uh, share another practice that um, I find uh, really key 
in working with the hard stuff when it comes up on the cushion and in life, but particularly uh, here on this re on the retreat, and then go into gratitude. <clears throat> and hopefully uh, this won't take you away from your practice, but will support your practice. <clears throat> You know, yesterday when I was, um, yeah, yesterday evening when I first was talking about opening up to the <clears throat> the dukkha, the suffering, the the hard stuff that comes up, and I uh, was trying to make the point that if you are able to open up to it. Um, then there's a, an empowerment and a strength and a courage and also a, a, a skillful understanding of, um, of this fact of life. There is suffering. It's the first noble truth. <clears throat> and I also want to make it clear that you don't have to go into the suffering <clears throat> when it feels like it's more than you uh, are able or ready to handle at any particular time. So it's not that you need to continually be opening your heart to the most difficult stuff. <clears throat> Part of the, the wisdom comes in being willing to uh, somehow find the courage when you have the motivation or inspiration or you feel it will be supportive to just go in a little at a time but also to have the wisdom to know when you might be in over your head and uh, and when it becomes a struggle that you find yourself off balance then um, that's not so useful to, to keep on going and particularly if there's been trauma in your uh, in your past that you're you're processing, um, or there's a, a very uh, intense um, issue that's happening that you keep on getting caught in the in the painful story or in the overwhelm of the feelings that get activated. <clears throat> you don't have to always go there. In fact, one discourse of the Buddha, he talks about. Um, a number of different methods for dealing with difficult thoughts and difficult uh, experiences. Uh, and he has five different methods. One of these methods is when you, um, if you're having a, a hard time staying balanced and able to, to be with things, uh, it's called forgetfulness and inattention. <clears throat> this is the Buddha talking and he says you know if you if you find that it's a bit much then just turn your attention elsewhere you don't have to stay with what's most predominant even though that often might seem to be the the instructions no you stay with what you can be with in a balanced and interested and kind way <clears throat> so, for instance, as an example, if you, if you have a, a particular um, body pain 
and it's a chronic pain or it's a pain that just is quite persistent, if you stay with it continually, your mind is going to get fatigued, withered. I remember reading in one, one of the texts. And that contraction uh, will keep you from being able to open to it in a balanced way. <clears throat> so he says, instead of focusing on that, is this in this example, you might focus on an area in your body where there's no pain. Or you might turn to listen to sounds and just uh, take a break and be, be off the, uh, the intense um, activation. <clears throat> this is a skillful thing to do. Just like in our life, when we are feeling overwhelmed, <clears throat> there's a, a natural inclination, uh, if we can't stay with it, to, uh, to find some other way to get more of a capacity. In fact, let me ask you, when you're, mm, when you're going through a hard time and um, the alternative of just being with the experience is, uh, is a bit much, uh, what do you find helpful? What's supportive for you? You can take a few comments. You can just call it out and I'll, I'll repeat it. Nature, yeah, being out in nature and getting a little bit of space and re refreshing, renewing yourself. Yeah. Doing something with Evelyn. Doing something with Evelyn, yeah. Or, and, and that's moving your body or doing something fun or nourishing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. What else? Reaching out to other people. Re okay, reaching out to other people that you don't have to do it alone that sometimes the most skillful thing to do and the wisest and coming from a place of real understanding and, and self-sufficiency is seeing that it's really healthy to be able to, to reach out when you need it. Prayer. What is that? Prayer. Prayer, yes. To just reorient yourself instead of the contracted fear to align yourself with something that inspires the heart and, and opens you up to a more positive channel in the mind, so to speak. Snuggle my cat. <laughs> Wonderful, snuggle with your cat or your dog. That was, it's been my, uh, one of my most healing uh, resorts. You know, there's nothing like just putting your face in an animal's belly and <laughs> She'll or he'll understand. Yeah, and getting nourishment that way. Yeah, yes. Listening to music, classical music, or what, whatever, uh, whatever inspires you. Is that what you were going to say too? Okay. There you go. Uh, it's the 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 common uh, one mind speaking here. Yes, all the way in the back. Okay, fine. Getting an inspiration that gives you another perspective, Insp inspiration in some way. Wonderful, yes. Getting a massage, having really warm, loving contact and connection. Yeah. So lots, oh yeah, one more. What is it? Sleeping. Sleeping, yes. And that, you just, when all else fails, okay, time to just kind of, 
it's too much, let's just chill out, check out. Yeah, we're having some rest. So all of these things, you know, you have the wisdom right inside of you. And I want you to really first understand um, that you do have the wisdom inside of you. And you might listen to yourself in your life and saying, what do I need right now? You know, if you can first be with the feeling, be with the emotion or whatever it is that's coming up in a skillful way, fabulous. But you don't have to be, uh, you know, slay a dragon in there and, uh, and, 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 and one of you will come out alive if you're, uh, you don't have to do that. If you can be balanced and not overwhelmed by the struggle, then explore, but if not, then you turn to something else. And here on a retreat, in the same way, you're, you're not gonna be able to snuggle with your cat or, you know, what well, you can do, uh, be with Evelyn, but most of the other ones aren't so available to you. So, but you find other ways. Nature is available, nourishing yourself, or um, uh, just whatever way uh, bring some, some nourishment about. You might do loving kindness practice or some other kind of practice or open up to sounds and just take a break if there's a, a particular uh, physical discomfort as I said a little while ago. Um, I wanna, I love this quote from um, the mother, Sri Aurobindo's spiritual partner, the mother, Sri Aurobindo was a great uh, Indian sage um, in the 20th century and his partner who was simply known as the mother also as, as uh, they were a team and she was uh, also had deep wisdom. She says, you carry in yourself all the obstacles necessary to make your realization perfect. If you discover a very black hole, a thick shadow, you can be sure that there is somewhere in you a great light. It is up to you to know how to use the one to realize the other. So when you're having those difficulties, just know that they can call on your, uh, your resources that you can discover, you can uh, meet these moments. So. I first wanted to just um, go over the self-compassion and add an additional very key uh, aspect of opening up to the, the feelings when they're strong. And m some of you are probably well, very familiar with this, but not all, and it felt like it would be an important thing to, to do, uh, not just in a, in a quick um, instruction, but to, to practice for a while. So first, as we were talking about self-compassion, mindful self-compassion, or the, the, self, the attitude of self-compassion allows you to hold when things are kind of overwhelming. And I just wanted to reiterate again the self-compassion approach that Kristen Neff and Chris Kermer give, because it's such a, a simple and effective package. First, and I feel as important as anything is, is just putting your hand on your heart. That this in itself physiologically 
calms the system and soothes the whole system. And then the, the three, in fact, as you do that, you might just try this with me. I knew you might have done it already and say, oh, do I really have to do that again? Just, just try it. And just for a moment, feel the tenderness right through your hand. And then the, as you're doing it, um, and you can do whatever variation really works for you, but as you're doing it, um, they suggest three reflections. The first one is just acknowledging, oh, this, this is a moment of suffering. Or I sometimes simply say, wow, this is really hard right now. So you're simply just calling it like it is and saying, oh, this is, this is a hard moment. That in itself, as you name it, you are um, bringing some, some wisdom and kindness to it. Second reflection is suffering is a part of life. And what uh, Jane uh, spoke of is the commonality of experience. And what I find helpful to do, suppose you're going through a hard time, suppose you're scared, or you're filled with anger, or you have a, a tremendous wanting and longing that's painful for you. In that realizing this is just part of life and the commonality of experience, you might think of all the people in the world who are going through what you're going through right now. Probably millions and millions of people are afraid right now or angry or wanting. And just to have that reflection, you remind yourself you're not so alone. And you might include yourself in that, uh, in that compassion. Mm, yeah, this is part of life. And then the third reflection is simply, may I hold my suffering with kindness, compassion. It's, a, it's so interesting how you can just um, invite that and it can be more, more available. May I hold this suffering with kindness? May I hold it with compassion? Or whatever words work for you. And as you're doing that, you are both the one who needs comforting, that little one inside, and you're also the wise being that can comfort. So as you do that, particularly if you have your, your hand on your, on your chest, get a sense of both receiving and giving. And there's a, a sense of wholeness, coming to wholeness that you are knowing and learning more how to care for yourself.
Okay, so again, oh, this is a moment of suffering or this is hard. And suffering is a part of life. Just include everybody with you. May I hold my suffering or my pain with kindness and feel that connection. And if you don't do uh, anything, then just put your hand on your, your heart. You, you could spend the whole week like that. If you're going through a really hard time, just to soothe yourself and comfort yourself and have that sense of safety so that you can feel um, trusting enough to explore. Okay, so that's one. And just before I go on, any question that, that comes up from that? Yes. Sit, speak up just a bit. Being uh, a resistance versus being not ready. Yeah, resistant. You know, it, for me, it it more comes from my my sense of what will be most supportive for me right now. Resistance is a. Uh, in the sense of aversion is like, no, I just don't want to go there. But you can have the exact same response, but coming from, it doesn't support me right now to go there. Maybe in time I will, will be able to, but you're doing it from a supportive place rather than a contracted place. So just see, if you're ready or you've got the energy and you're willing to, to just, um, to just take it a little at a time. Okay. Okay, anything else on that? Okay, so that the, the, the second um, strategy for opening to the hard stuff when it comes. And it's usually, when it comes, there's a story often that's triggered it off. He really did do that. Or I can't believe I'm here again, stuck, whatever the story is. There's a feeling that arises with that story. And that's what starts to get overwhelming. Uh, it's one thing to know the story, but it's another when we get activated and then there's um, hormones that get start shooting through the body, that's a whole other level. And that emotional response is, um, uh, is where, we, where we have some, where we can do some training in the mind besides not, not getting into our stories. So when we get an emotional activation, there's this, this whole energy that has to do with the story. Yeah, 
he did it. There's a mental atmosphere. Maybe it's tight, maybe it's heavy, maybe it's swirling around or agitated or any number of things. Just the whole mental environment, not the story so much, but just the whole feeling in the mind that goes with that emotion. And there's a physical manifestation of that energy. It might be a tightness in the chest or a, in the belly or a clenching of the jaw or your heart racing or a- any number of ways that it can manifest. Okay, so those are happening, the mind and its story and then the mental field and the physical experience. When we get lost, where do you think we are spending most of our time? In the story. And every time you hit that play button, again, replaying, you know, this would be cruel and inhuman punishment if you locked somebody up with loudspeakers connected to what our minds do to us, you know. You really did. And every time you hit that story, you're activating the whole um, emotional um, uh, expression. Mindfulness applied to the emotion, you are moving from the story to the direct exploration and connection of the energy in your body or in, in, your, in your being. And the, uh, there's an acronym that probably many of you are familiar with called RAIN that can help you remember to, um, how to do this when you do have the energy for it. And the acronym, I'll take you through a little bit of a guided process in a moment, but I'll just explain to you. The acronym R stands for recognize. Just recognize what you're experiencing. Oh, this is fear. Or this is confusion. Or this is freaking out. Oh, that's what's going on, you know. And something, first neurologically, when you label it, you're moving from the from the um, activation of the amygdala in your mind that's that's firing, you're moving it to the neocortex that's just that's deactivating that charge. Oh, that's this is what it is. This is fear. So that's recognize. The A is allow. That is um, allow or accept. I like allow. uh, Where you're just giving permission for this experience to be here. Not trying to fix it. Not trying to push it away. Because the paradox is the more you try to push something away, the more it is preoccupying your mind. As if I say, don't think about a pink elephant right now. Get it out of your mind. 
Now try really hard to get it out of your mind. No pink elephant. <laughs> it's the only thing that's there, isn't it? So even though we want to push it away, it just gives it more life. But if we can allow it and not add that resistance, we create a space for it that it can be much more skillfully dealt with. So you're actually giving permission for a few moments to just be open to this experience. The I in RAIN is investigate or bring an interest to your experience. This is different than analyzing. When you invest, sometimes people hear the word investigate and they say, oh, can I figure out why this is here? And now sometimes there, there are some uh, teachers that use that I in a little bit more of an inquiry, but for the purposes of the meditation, the investigation is in the bare experience. How do I, f what do, what's the experience of fear? What's the landscape of fear? Oh, this is what it feels like. And you're exploring, and as you're exploring, you can't be trying to get rid of something at the same time as you're wanting to get closer to it and understand and explore. So it kind of, in itself, um, mitigates the aversion. So you investigate. We'll go through this in a moment so you'll see. It's more than just words. And the N, recognize, allow, investigate. And the N is non-identify, non-identification. And that's just a fancy word for not taking it personally. That whatever you're experiencing is part of the human experience. And so you don't have to identify with yourself as saying, oh, I'm such a you know, fearful person, that it is just part of being human and there's an awareness that can hold this mind state as, as it's arising. Okay, so, so that it's not just words, let's go through this and I invite you to sit up. And maybe there's been some issue that has kept on arising while you've been here. Uh, or uh, maybe there's uh, you know, a, a meditative issue uh, here in these days that triggers some, some feelings. Um, pick something that can get you in touch with a feeling just so you have something to explore, okay? And it can be a story in your life, it could be a, a, maybe a relationship or a situation at work or somewhere. Uh, you don't necessarily need to take the most intense thing, but uh, just something to experiment with. And bring it to mind, you might even have an image of that, um, that situation so it, uh, 
gets you in touch with some feelings. And whatever your experience is, fine. There's no failing this, so don't worry about it. But just let yourself get in touch with something that stirs up some feelings. It can be challenging feelings or uh, not challenging feelings, but just some feelings to, to work with. Okay. okay. And now, and at any time it gets to be too much, uh, you can always... Uh, just uh, do the self-compassion, put your hand on your heart, and you, uh, or open your eyes if, it's, if it seems like it's more than you can handle. But let's do this rain. As you reflect on this situation and get in touch with the feeling, first, recognize, just name to yourself, what are you feeling right now? Oh, this is sadness, or this is wanting, or loneliness, or shame, or whatever it happens to be. Just name it in a kind way. And second, allow it to be here it's just for the next minute or so, give it permission to be here, this old companion that you can learn to relate to in a wiser way. Just let it be here. It's okay. And now investigate, that is, how do you experience this feeling? Where in your body do you feel it? Is it in your belly or your heart area or your throat or your face or your some other place? And notice what it's like in there. How big an area is it? Is it tight or agitated, what are the sensations like in there? Just become an interested explorer. You can use the breath if it seems like it's a lot, just get some space. But you're just exploring what this feeling is like. You might notice if the sensations stay the same, where they change one, after one moment to another. You might, for a few moments, just tune into the mental atmosphere. That is, what does it feel like in the mind? Is it heavy? Is it agitated? Is it calm? Is it tight? Is it light? Is it dark? And just let it be how it is. You're just checking it out. And then coming back to the, the breath, oh, sorry, coming back to the body and feel what's there now. 
and then coming into the into your grounding in the body and just being with the breath for a little while. And if you are stirred up a bit, then this is where the self-compassion can be helpful in just putting your hand on your heart and saying, Ooh, oh, that's a lot. And coming back and just grounding and soothing yourself. Okay, and when you like, you can gently open your eyes. So, how many people were able to feel it someplace in their body? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ask, oh, was that fun? <laughs> but anybody find it interesting to explore? Oh. Oh, that's what goes on. It's actually, it can be very interesting. Instead of, oh, no, not that. Oh, this is what fear is like. Oh, this is what anger is like. And you're learning a different relationship instead of fighting it. Oh, hello, fear. I see you, fear. I feel you, fear. Fear can be a, a, a really a, a gift in that it helps you grow. Or whatever it is, anger or whatever. Mm. So, um, any questions on that? Yeah. I found one emotion would sort of have another one under it and another one under it. So which one do you respond to? Yes, okay. How anybody else see a constellation of emotions? Oh, there's oh, there was anger, but then there's hurt, and then there's sadness, and then there's. This is really valuable to see. It's not as solid as we think. It is every time you hit that play button. Yeah, I really did. But there's emotions are there's constellations, and they're much more ephemeral and fluid than we think. You can just watch the whole show. And, and be there for that. And you don't have to name all of them. And it's not like there's an essay that you're going to get, you know, tested on. It's just you see how, how fluid all of it is. Yeah. All the way in the back. Ah, yeah. The non, I'm sorry. The non-identification. Well, I left that out, didn't I? Oh. Woo. Uh, the non-identification, not taking it personally, meaning it's kind of like that commonality of experience. Oh, this is just part of being human. Instead of, oh gosh, look at my fear. It's, oh, here's fear arising in this space of awareness. So the non-identification, it's really the backdrop to it all, and you're holding that emotion in the space of awareness, so you're not 
completely identified with or defined by that particular emotion. It's just doing its dance. It's come to visit, here's anger, or here's fear, or here's all the constellation of, of feelings held in this space of awareness, and it's just part of being human. Okay, so that not taking it personally is really the attitude you have as you're exploring it. Yes? This is first getting in touch with the feelings and whatever it is that's triggered it off is really giving you an opportunity to see this old companion that you've had since you were a little girl or a little boy. So in this particular um, um, exercise, you're just first learning to be with the feeling. And in one's life, it's also very helpful to be with the feeling before you act and fix because then you're coming from a place of more connection and groundedness. And then the answers likely will have a whole different um, feeling to them instead of fixing or rescuing or you're, you've processed the feeling, wow, this is pretty intense and now this is the wisest possible response but there's a connection that allows that to come. Okay. Um, so, I ha- one last one back there. Yes. Uh-huh. If the story is in the past and, and can't be fixed, that means you're carrying around that story for a long time. There's a, a, a lovely, uh, an important line. Um, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. And you might just realize you are carrying this around and there can be a healing, a coming to healing in just honoring all the pain but not letting it run you or wallow in it and just a little, you know, acknowledging it. If there's trauma involved, then it's good to have some support in that. But if it's just you keep on replaying this tape, that won't, that won't go away. Underneath the thoughts, get in touch with the feeling and that's where the, the, the healing is. Okay, so uh, I wanna now move on to gratitude. Um, the good the good news. Okay. <laughs> Gratitude is a the most direct way I find to an expansive opening heart, open heart. And and all it is is just seeing what's here, realizing what's here, and. Um, uh, and appreciating, acknowledging it. You can think of your whole mindfulness practice as an appreciation practice, appreciating this moment of, of your life. And gratitude is, is saying yes to life instead of what's wrong. We, we have, I didn't mention this in the earlier talk, we have this almond-shaped cluster of neurons in our brain called the amygdala that looks for what's wrong. 
And it's a, it's a good thing that we have, it keeps us out of danger, but mostly we have an, many people, particularly if you're under stress, have an overactive amygdala. And you look for the, you scan the horizon for what is wrong. That's why it takes some practice to notice what is right for many people, not for all, but for many people are looking for what's wrong. And we, there's this phenomenon in neuro, um, neuroscience called the confirmation bias, where it's, they, we know now that you will find what you look for. If you look for what's wrong, or if you look for how people around you are going to disappoint you, or how humanity is going down the tubes, you'll have ample evidence to confirm your hypothesis. But the brain will usually notice what your beliefs are and miss all the things that don't confirm those beliefs. That's called a confirmation bias. If you look for the good, not to bury your head in the sand, but if you have your radar out, if you look for how really people want to feel safe and be loved and there's a goodness in there, you looking for it will will see it and actually help bring it out in them. And you will notice all the time, all, all the goodness around you. If you look for and see how amazing it is to be alive and how miraculous nature is, you will start to tune into that and that confirmation bias, you'll notice that more and more. Instead of, oh, life is a drag, it's all suffering and let's get out of here as fast as we can. You know, you'll see that lens. Einstein has this line, he says, there's two ways to go through life. One is seeing nothing as a miracle and the other is seeing everything as a miracle. And guess which one he recommended? <clears throat> because it is all miraculous and, and mindfulness really makes that more available. You start seeing the subtleties and wow, you know. You can fall in love with a plant. Wow, look at that plant grow, you know. Because you're so connected and tuned in. As one teacher, I love one, uh, one Tibetan teacher says, gratitude is like putting out your satellite dish. You know? If you are busy grumbling and complaining and oh, that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong, there's no room for all all the good stuff to be, uh, to open up to it and, and, and be, and register. But when you say, thank you, then you have, you're tuned in to all the blessings in your life. So it's uh, an incredible um, access to, um, to an open heart to all of these other expansive states. <clears throat> Um, by the way, Jane does uh, a gratitude practice. She's been doing it for many, many years with, with a friend. Just uh, sometime during the day, um, 
and she'll be on the lookout for it earlier. At the beginning, she was just coming at the end of the night and saying, well, let's see what there was there to be grateful for. And then she realized, oh, if I start looking earlier, this will be easier and I'll get the benefit of it. And they just uh, email each other what they're grateful for. And it's made a huge impact and difference in, in her life. <clears throat> There's a lot of beneficial effects of gratitude. A lot of research done uh, increases your feeling of joyfulness, enthusiasm, interest, attentiveness, energy, determination, um, improves physical health, raises energy levels, um, and relieves pain, fatigue, and uh, particularly for patients with neuromuscular disease, um, there's a kind of um, well-being that comes from a grateful heart. And gratitude is just inclining the mind to see what's here. I'm just remembering a, another quote that I, that I love. This is from Mary Jane Ryan, who's a wonderful teacher. She says, gratitude is like a flashlight. It lights up what is already there. You don't necessarily have anything more or different, but suddenly you can actually see what is. And because you can see, you no longer take it for granted. So, I want to first do a little bit of a gratitude practice and then share with you um, um, an, an example of how possible it is to change uh, no matter um, what, how long the habits have been cultivated. So here's a simple gratitude practice. And, and I recommend this is another antidote for when you're feeling very contracted. Just close your eyes for a moment. And get in touch with some blessing in your life. Someone or some circumstance that you are grateful for or grateful to. And as you get in touch with this blessing, bring an image that helps you connect with it. And as you have this image and that connection of that, this blessing, say to, silently a simple thank you right from your heart. Oh, thank you to that person or to that situation, to life. Thank you, thank you so much. And now, just savor that feeling of gratitude, applying the mindfulness to that wholesome state. You don't have to try to squeeze anything out of it, just relax into that thank you. Oh, thank you, and notice how it feels in your body and in your mind and in your heart. Oh, thank you. Okay, now take a nice breath. 
and we'll do another one. Bring to mind another blessing. Someone or something that you're grateful for or grateful to. Have an image that helps you connect with it. And again, just a simple, sincere thank you from your heart. A thank you for this too. And just let your awareness relax and rest in that feeling. Mm. Thank you so much. And now one last breath, nice deep breath, and one last blessing before we end this exercise. Bring to mind one more. Have an image to help you connect. And then simple thank you for right from your heart. And then just relax in that feeling. Just enjoy it. Notice how it feels in your body, the grateful heart, in your mind, in your heart. Okay, and when you like, you can open your eyes. So this is something that is available to you whenever you're feeling contracted or you're feeling sorry for yourself or you're feeling overwhelmed. It's, there's, it's a variation on, on metta. Actually, metta for benefactor is gratitude. And the Buddha talks about, he says, to be content and grateful this is a blessing supreme. <clears throat> so as you're going through the, your retreat here, if you're touched by nature or by a delicious taste in the dining room or by something that touches your heart and what you see or hear or whatever, really let yourself feel that. And another aspect of, of gratitude is um, when you find yourself in a kind of grumpy mood, complaining mood or mode, oh, now I have to do this, now I have to do that. I share a story that was really powerful for me. Somebody here on a retreat, she saw that she was whining all the time. And she would be sitting, and then the bell would ring for the sitting, and she'd say, oh, now I have to do walking, you know. And then the bell would ring for walking. Oh, now I have to go back and sit. Even for meal times. Oh, now I have to go <laughs> eat, eat, eat the meal. And she came in and she started seeing herself. She said, "Wow, this is no wonder I'm, 
I'm contracted and just grumpy all the time. I'm whining to myself the whole time. Anything that we can do, and uh, as we talked about it, something kind of came through and I said, well, you might change instead of, oh, now I have to do this, to, oh, now I get to do walking meditation. Oh, now I get to go to the bathroom. Now I get to sit and just be with myself. Oh, now I get to, to eat. Now I get to lie down or look at, uh, look at nature. It was amazing. She came in, the whole retreat changed. And I, I saw this, I know this person, I saw her six months later, she said, that little change has transformed me. So just notice how you speak to yourself, particularly on here on the retreat. Oh, now I gotta do this. Oh, now I get to do this. So I'll, we'll close this period with a, a story. The, for me, the, the, the most um, mm, significant story in, in all of doing this work uh, and I'll, I'll get for you, I'll uh, introduce you to uh, the, the uh, protagonist of the story. Uh, this is my mother who, um, who passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 94, uh, three years ago now. And my mom, and you'll see her in a moment, um, was... Um, uh, was somebody who gratitude didn't come easy to. She was, um, she had a tendency to complain about most everything. Um, although it, she was a beautiful, beautiful person, had a lot of heart, but just her, her first hit was, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong and, you know, oh, why is this... And then um, we had a great relationship, especially the, the, towards the, the latter part of uh, her life. Um, and I was writing the book, Awakening Joy, and I was visiting her down in Los Angeles because uh, she lived down in LA, I live up in Berkeley. My sister lived right, and they were very close, lived right near her, and my sister was going out of town for a few weeks. And we, we all agreed, oh, I'll, I'll stay with my mom and uh, stay with mom and visit her for a week. And I was writing uh, the book and writing this chapter on gratitude. So I had all of this research about how powerful gratitude is with me. And I said, hey, check this out, mom. Improves your immune system, your relationships, your health and... Uh, you're, and, and everything, you take better care of yourself. And it was, I said, what do you think? She said, that's very impressive. And I said, hey, mom, what do you think it would be like to have a gratitude practice? She rolled her eyes <laughs> and said, look, James, dear, I know my life is blessed. I really do. But I've been seeing the glass half empty for a long time. I'm 89 now, and I don't think I'm about to change. And I said, 
something came over me and I was just curious. I said, I'm curious, if you could change, would you change? She said, she said, yeah, if I could change, I would, but don't hold your breath. Right? And then, again, we, we, we're on a roll and I said, how about if we play a little game? You said your life is blessed and you can either say, suppose something is, is irritating. You can say, for instance, you know, oh, um, oh, it's so, you can say, oh, the TV set, uh, I know my life is blessed, but this darn TV set is driving me crazy. The reception is off. Or you could say, the TV reception is lousy, and I know my life is blessed. And I said, how does that sound? She said, oh yeah, I could see that. That could make a difference. I said, so, well, let's play a game. Every time you complain, I'll just remind you what you know. She said, what do you mean? And she said, and I said, well, like you, you say, oh, it's so cold here in Marina del Rey, California. <laughs> oh, it's so cold today. And I say, and? And you say, and my life is very blessed. And she said, okay, let's do it. Because she had that kind of moxie game. She was into games. We were playing Scrabble at the time. She was a really great Scrabble player. Loved to beat me. And, uh, and we just played a game. We had the most amazing week. We laughed the whole week because the complaints were just rolling off her tongue <laughs> one after another. And each time it'd say, and... Oh yeah, and my life is very blessed. And amazingly, it stuck. I, I went home, I called her a lot those first couple of weeks. Hi mom, how you doing? And, and a friend of hers was in on the game down there. My sister came back and my sister had the same kind of tendencies as my mom. And so her, one of her first comments was, what did you do to mom? <laughs> it took her a little while to get used to it. But the amazing thing is it stuck not only for the few weeks, but for the last five years of her life. And I include here, we'll see her in a moment, I include uh, in, in the book a poem that she wrote me after seven months, we would exchange poems for our birthday and our, our family. And uh, she wrote this. Uh, and her eyesight, she was losing her eyesight to macular degeneration. There's a reference to it in, the, in this poem. She says, 90 is just fine with me. I no longer rant and rave about where the world is heading and my exclusive job to save. I wallow in contentment and know that I am blessed, awakening to the joy of living at its best. I'm happier than I've ever been and truly mean each word. The thoughts that cause the worries now all seem so absurd. Though my eyesight has been dimmed, I see clearer than before. The glass is not half empty. It's overflowing, to be sure. If my mom can change at 89, anyone can change. 
no matter what the habit you've practiced. And this stayed with her the last five years of her life, all the way to the end. Even as she, the last year she was dying of cancer, fortunately it wasn't painful, but her life was just all about how blessed she was. A few weeks before the end, I, uh, I was visiting her and I went into her room and, uh, in the morning and she looked really pensive and, uh, or deep in thought. And then she opened her eyes and she could tell I was there. And I said, wow, mom, what were you thinking? And she said, actually, my mind was completely devoid of all thought except thank you, God, thank you, God. And I said, wow, can I quote you on that? <laughs> and she said, will I get a commission? <laughs> she always had a sense of humor. And even at the very end, I said, do you want me to say something at your memorial service? She said, oh yeah, sure. She was ready to go. And among other things, she said, I don't know what I did to deserve such a, an incredible life. I had such an amazing run. My life has been so blessed. And then she said, blessed. It's such a small word, and it means everything. So I'd like you to meet my mom. This is, my mom is a YouTube star. This is over, uh, I think, over half a million views now. Wait, hold on just a moment. Oh, let me turn off the lights, Mark. Um, and if you go to YouTube, it's Confessions of a Jewish Mother, How My Son Ruined My Life. <laughs> And you're, you're about to see the, the YouTube. Uh, let's see if we can, can I get these lights out? Huh. Oh, um, touch, in the back there, you see those, uh, those lights? Touch the bottom light. It's, it's covered. There's a cover that says don't touch it. And touch the very last one. Bottom. So we get the light on. Low, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so leave my mom. Good evening. I'm so happy to be here and meet you. My son did not quite tell the truth. Today, I am 91 and a half. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> My son also did not tell another thing about our relationship. My son 
and I hated the Volsers, <laughs> has ruined my life. <laughs> As a Jewish mother, I never thought that I would have to tell the secret. Jewish mothers are born with certain genes. They can't be acquired. They can only be very carefully honed. Jewish mothers are born to complain. <laughs> Actually, it's called fetching. <laughs> we will always find something to complain about. It also helps with a long sigh a few tears also help, but complain we must. It's either too sunny out or too dull out, or it's raining or we don't have enough rain. We always find something. And mostly, we send out this perfect child to the world expecting he or she to become a doctor <laughs> a dentist mm. <laughs> a lawyer is also acceptable <laughs> but a jubal We also have another quality. We worry about everything. If one of my children is late to meet me, I can write scenarios about what has happened to them that Hollywood would give millions to him. <laughs> I, I can write about disasters that probably will occur in this universe, I don't know. But anyhow, it's just been so wonderful to keep complaining and to be worried and to be unhappy. <laughs> Despite the fact that I have led the most incredible life that anybody can wish for. I've been everywhere in this world except Iceland. <laughs> I, I was married to the love of my life and 
and except for the fact that I raised two rotten children, <laughs> I really have nothing to complain about. <laughs> Last year, James, came, as he told you, came to stay with me while my wonderful daughter was out of the country. Daughters are really special. And I guess James got so tired of hearing me complain about everything and nothing that he restarted this little mantra. And every time I complained about something, which is every third second, <laughs> he said, Mom, why don't you follow this? But I know I am truly blessed. And we started this game. By golly, it really works. I do that with every complaint, but it really helps. And I really have become, oh, this kills me, a happy... <laughs> I really have become a happier person. <laughs> I just now have divulged a secret. He has ruined my entire life. Here, Rotten Kid. <laughs> because it's, it's fun, um, but mostly just to um, drive the point home that you can practice anything. You can practice anything. Uh, all it takes starting is the intention and just the patience and, and uh, commitment to change your wiring and little by little it changes it, it was it was quite extraordinary the the last five last five years of her life she just got lighter and lighter and lighter i don't know how i was so fortunate that it, somehow it stuck i didn't know how that could happen but i saw firsthand it's really possible to change so no matter what your particular challenge is or how you hold yourself or just seeing, oh, because this happened to me, I can never, you know, don't believe it. And particularly uh, using gratitude and blessing as, as a doorway to open your heart and, and see all the good in life um, instead of just seeing what's wrong. So, um, went a little bit longer than I thought. Why don't we take uh, just a, a little stretch right in place 
and will come and just sit for the last 15 minutes before, uh, before tea time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.